Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. You're listening to Rabot & Co. here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Louis Rabot. You're darn right it is. Welcome in. Wednesday edition Rabot & Co. here ESPN 680, 105.7. I hope your feet are warmer than mine. Uh, Louis Rabot hanging out with you in studio here with Zach Cantrell. Uh, just doing the darn thing. Uh, following a, a solo blanket banker. How about that? Man, oh man. Lifted weights, if you will. How about that? Imagine being solo, Zach. How about that? I can't uh, imagine. I can't that. imagine. We'll get into lots of things today. Bologna or Salami at 11, Mike Gandolfo at 1020. Uh, make sure you text in 437-968 to keep us going here on the show on that UPS Jobs text line. All right, a couple games today for the locals. Uh, UK hosting Mississippi State, and of course, UofL traveling to Chapel Hill. You know, Zach, the, the UofL game is actually an interesting spot to start because a Blanker Baker talked about this. Uh, on his show this morning, where the number of times that Kenny Payne's been a 15-point or more underdog, etc., these kinds of things. And they go into Chapel Hill tonight. It opened at 21.5. It's up to 22.5 no. uh, in favor of North Carolina at this point. It is the lowest odds of the season, I think, that I've seen for them to win a game under 2%. But, man, last time they did this, it was the Miami game, and they were, what, 16-point dogs last week. Go down to Miami, get the job done that way. I have no faith in them going to Carolina and winning this game tonight. No. Which is interesting because we just watched it happen with Miami. Inter Chicago's here, and even that guy's cold. Look at him. Just the, the cheeks, the redness. Just, I mean, it, it's he looks like he ate spicy food, but there's no food around. Yeah. It just, there's nothing. Yeah. So, just got a nice, the good news for you is he's not going to be farting all over you. That's right. Great. So, there you go. Um, I just, nine o'clock start. Do you think by 10 o'clock I'm going to know how the rest of my evening's going? You I might know, know by 9.30 by the rest of the, yeah, how I, your rest of your evening's going. Even in uh, Chapel Hill, you can get in uh, for just $11. Now, to be fair, I think that stadium holds, what, 68000 <laughs> place looks massive on TV. So, yeah. um, it is what it is. Uh, we will get into coaching, uh, coaching interviews in the NFL. We will also get into – I think there are a bunch of interesting articles, Zach, about – and, of course, UofL – fans freaking out about transfer portal stuff on the football side, which I understand. I want to be clear. Only a couple of years removed from making fun of you UK fans for being excited on signing day. So yeah. Oh, rivalry. Let's go. Let's go. That's how it works. <laughs> All right. But let's talk because with Louisville hoops, I just, are we at the point of talking about just not getting blown out? Because that's not, that's not the standard here. And, and it just, I'll move on. I'm going to stop there because there's nothing else to talk about. I'm regurgitating at this point. I don't have a bunch of baby birds in a nest where I need to regurgitate worms to feed them. 
So I'm not going to do that with Kenny Payne takes. Yeah. Um, go win the game. You're Louisville. You're playing North Carolina. Go win the game. That's what I'll say. How about that? Just go win the game. You play to win the game. Uh, but just go win the game. Yeah. All right. So a fair number of, que- of, of columns now on the Kentucky side of things, for example, where how can Kentucky get better at two things essentially on the defensive end in general, right? But also on the rebounding side of things. And Ben Roberts wrote about it. We'll have him on in his normal spot at 1020 tomorrow. And he opens the article with Kentucky's latest loss over the weekend to Texas A&M, highlighted an issue that has been there pretty much all season for the weekend, or for the for the Wildcats, and that's that the defense needs work. Okay, so they go in. And before that game, in which A&M, and, and look, they went to overtime, but scored 97 points. Before that, they had scored 55 and 53 points in recent games. So all of us have, have been fans of a team, Zach, at some point, where every time they play an opposing quarterback, that guy looks like a Heisman winner or the NFL MVP, right? We've all had that team that we rooted for that for some reason, or like you have a Major League Baseball team, and I, I, I will never forget this is a personal example, a ridiculous one, by the way, but some baseball head's going to go, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Bruce Chen pitched for the Royals for years, and he was very mediocre. And then he would come to Comerica Park in Detroit and look like a Cy Young winner. It's one of those. That's what Kentucky needs to avoid. (laughs) They need to not be that defense the rest of this season. They need to not make guys look like all Americans like they did the other night, Um, you know, with uh, with Wade Taylor, the fourth. And so they need to find whatever it is that's going to work for them on defense. So I think the question I'll have when Mike jumps on with us in a couple of minutes is, what does that look bad? What does that look like for Kentucky going forward? Because we're talking about a team that's in the top 60 in defense. Okay, So they're in the top, I don't know, 20, 22% for, for defense in college basketball. Okay, That would be a very good stat if you weren't thinking about the ceiling that UK is thinking about. Right? We hear about this a lot, Zach, where the adjusted offense, the adjusted defense, where do you want to be in Ken Palm if you want to make a deep run of the tournament? The answer is 20 and 20, top 20 on offense, top 20 on defense. Yep. It's a bit like going to the eye doctor. You want to be 20 20 vision. Right? That's right. Calipari, though, for his teams, this is bad for him, which is interesting to say. I remember with Cal hearing from people, especially on the red side, about how he can't coach, right? And, and, and that, that would that would permeate things. And and now that one of his assistants is here and <clears throat> not coaching, uh, there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a less conversation about that. The interesting dilemma, I think, I think, is that I don't think Cal's teams have always been great on defense. They've just had all time great rim protectors to clean up those issues when they weren't great. So, I mean, it, it should work out that, for example, a guy that I went after a little bit on Monday, Reed Shepard, for his his low block defense, he should be able to be aggressive on the exterior and trust that Aaron Bradshaw, Ogani Yenso, et cetera, Adutiero, are going to be there to bail him out. But, of course, that creates a one-on-two kind of matchup for a defender, et cetera, whatever. So I get it. But I wonder if a lot of the Cal teams didn't just benefit from having those guys at the back. And so if we're overthinking this just a little bit, where the the attention needs to not be where I put it the other day, looking at a Reed Shepard and going, what is he doing on the low block? But rather, how do we allow him to be 
You know, how does how does how does a team allow him to be as aggressive on the exterior as they can, possibly with him, by solidifying that back line? And here's the concern. What is this team great at? Offense and especially offense in transition, setting up, spacing, etc. What happens when you try to solidify the back line of a defense? You get taller and you get slower. You get slower. That's right. So it is absolutely a conundrum for UK's basketball team right now to try to figure out what that balance is going to look like. Tonight is a great opportunity to work on that. They host Mississippi State. Mississippi State is one of those teams. Chris Jans is the coach. One and two in conference. Reminder, Texas A&M, 0-2 in conference coming in. You would think a team that's one and two in conference, 12 and four overall, that really hasn't, I mean, I, I, you know, I should be very careful here. I think their best wins are Northwestern, and I'm not kidding, and Rutgers. Oh, they beat Tennessee. They beat Tennessee. Oh, that's that's their best win. By the way, I told you a couple weeks ago, I thought Alabama was going to go on a run. Alabama now four now since I said that. Nate Oates is shoving get, players. We'll get to them. Nope. <laughs> Nate Oates doing Nate Oates things. Wrong place, wrong time. By the way, happy to see that there's uh, there's deodorizer in that room. It's a, that's a terrible smelling room. So I'm glad that you know, intern Chicago at least there has a uh, <laughs> has a bottle of deodorizer. But they head to UK tonight after beating Tennessee, losing to Alabama. Both of those games at home, by the way, they lost at South Carolina on the road this year. Losses at Georgia Tech at South Carolina on their only two road trips outside uh, of either. Neutral courts are playing there in Mississippi. But this is the new reality of the SEC, is that a team like Mississippi State is going to show up. They're going to be well coached. They got dudes. They just are. That's the new reality of the SEC. This game, 10 years ago, you just kind of go, okay, they're playing They're playing Mississippi State. It's not the case anymore. But we're also at the point in the season where we need to start talking about seeding and about where teams are coming up on the, on the second part of the conference season. And last year, one of the things that Dan and I really got into – for better or for worse, was was the net rankings and how they seed teams for the NCAA tournament. Now, last year, you could look at the Final Four, which was the second high cumulative seed Final Four of all time, and say, hey, that doesn't matter as much as it used to. That might be true. But if we're taking the full body of work of all of the things that happen in the NCAA tournament, historically in all time, you definitely want to be in one of those one, two, three seed lines. Mm-hmm. Okay, Kentucky right now is in the back half of the teens in the net. So somewhere essentially in the four or five seed range. Mm-hmm. Okay. These are the kinds of games that you can't just win. Remember margin of victory matters in the net rankings. This is the kind of game where you want to go out and you really want to handle like they did against Mizzou. If they can have another Mizzou type performance where it's double digits, you get that margin of victory. You get that win at home against a decent Mississippi state team who I've not looked up in the net. Do you mind looking up their net ranking of Mississippi state? Um, just to, Keep these things rolling. Keep that net ranking rolling. You're going to have plenty of opportunities as UK to improve that net ranking as the season goes along. So I'm, that part I'm not worried about at all. But what does that conundrum look like and what is it worth in Calipari's case to try to go bigger and slower? Now, to be fair, it's not like Aaron Bradshaw some kind of brontosaurus or something. The guy's not like lumbering down the court or something. But when they needed him to be physical and play down low, he essentially fouled out at Miss, Texas A&M. Mississippi State's number 33. Did you say ranking. that over the air? I did. Fantastic. All right. 33. So it is quad 
Is that quad two at home? Yeah. That's good, man. Those are legit things. And if they're that high in the 30s, they're going to stay there for the rest of the season. That's right. So that number is going to matter. These are the games that can start to add up. You see a Mississippi State on the schedule, and once in a while you just go, eh, no, 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 not this year. Chris Jan's got it going. You know who the highest-ranked SEC team is in the net rankings? I'm going to go Texas A&M. No. I mean... Is it obvious or are you... Cause you're when asking, I say highest, I mean like they're in the top five. Yes. I'm talking so A&M's not top five. Okay. No, no, no. Sometimes the net rankings are funky. I assume it's not Tennessee. It is not. It's not Kentucky, obviously. Nope. Uh, it's not Texas A&M. It's not going to be Florida. It's not going to be LSU. It's not Alabama. It is. It's Alabama? Yeah. They're fifth. Wow. I keep telling people that schedule early for Alabama, man. They got to watch them during the season. Nate Oates is out of his mind and maybe the best way. <laughs> Depends on who you ask. <clears throat> I thought Gase's interact, reaction to that postgame was interesting. I'll ask Mike about it because that's a – Mike's been on the sideline. I, I, I want that take from him uh, as well. Four three seven nine six eight UPS jobs text line. Um, Fox and Monk's uh, – texter Fox and Monk were the worst perimeter defenders of any Cal team I've ever seen. Couldn't even guard <laughs> Riley LaChance and Vandy. <laughs> Wow, Riley Lachance reference at twelve, at ten, twelve. How about that? <laughs> totally had that on my bingo card. Obviously. <laughs> oh man! But A and M puts up eighty nine points in regulation after scoring fifty five and fifty three in the two games before. They almost matched the two games together in one game against Kentucky. I get it. There's a serious concern here. Here's what I would try to figure out. I would try to figure out the on ball defense and work on that and not disrupt the offense with this team. I think it is so clear that they're going to need to score to win and go deep in this tournament. I don't think it's close. I don't think it's close. Um, <laughs> coming in from our guy, Michael Columbus, over at uh, Blind Squirrel. Uh, this is the year that my dogs rekindle the rivalry battles of the late 90s. Man, I, look, it's one of the best things that's happened in, in this market in the last 10 years in, in sports in general is that the SEC is considerably better at basketball. Oh, yeah. That there's serious investment, good coaches. I mean – at this point, I don't know that you would look at an SEC team and say they don't have a good coach. I think they all have competent good coaches. That's a it's a massive departure for what it used to be. Has SEC basketball become what SEC football has always been, except SEC football usually is a little bit more top-heavy as far as more top-10 teams? Think about Texas and Oklahoma coming into the conference, and they're bringing as much on the basketball side as they are on the football side, and, and Texas made the college football playoff. Yes, that's right. <laughs> what? Oklahoma's uh, always in top ten. Out. Yep. That guy, it will be interesting to watch him because usually in his career, it takes him three, four years to get a place going. He's now at that point at Oklahoma. But usually he gets to this spot and he goes and does the rebuild again. He, goes he doesn't else. stay right. somewhere where he's going to be like at Oklahoma where he's got them, you know, 20 and 10 or, you know, 22 and 8, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What is that? If he stays five more years, what does that look like? Does he win 100 games? Does he win 110 games? Does he do that, right? Or does is it he's good at building, but he's not good at getting through the next level? Is he the Mark Stoops yeah. of college basketball? <laughs> How about that? Ah, there uh, you go. All right, so uh, the... <laughs> the Porter Moses has been to a Final Four, so he's not the Mark Stoops of college basketball. Do you remember the sister's name? Sister Jean. How about that? She's still alive. I know. She's like 103. She's 600 years old. <laughs> yeah. Do you know why? No, I don't. No husband. How about that? There it is. 
No she probably, husband, she probably drinks every day too. She's oh, one of those sure. old, one of those yes. old people that says, you know what the key yes. is? Drink every day. All my aunts that lived the longest were sisters of um, uh, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. They all were, and they all lived like into their nineties, totally fine, balling out, brains totally intact. My grandfather dead in his early seventies, and then the healthy <laughs> vegans die early. <laughs> Early seventies, except Jerry Stackhouse. That dude can coach at Vandy. Get out of here. Get out of here, please. The the idea that he's not a competent head basketball coach. No, no, I reject that. He's not a terrible coach. He's a good coach. Not bad. He, he is a good coach. He is. He's perfect at Vandy. He's not the best coach. He is perfect at Vandy. He's a good coach. He is perfect at Vandy. Yes, he is. He'll be fine. Yep. I like Stack. Oh, Stack is on the all time NBA Mount Rushmore of guys you do not want to mess with. He also has the worst basketball tattoo of all time, right? The and one tattoo. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. That's terrible, right? Yes. <laughs> it's like every white guy who has the barbed wire Was tattoo. Was it Snoggle that had the big basketball on his arm? Yes. Ooh. What's a worse tattoo, the and one guy or that Snoggle basketball tattoo? I Boy, they're would, both terrible. I would go man. with the Pitsnoggle one. That's bad. That stood it's out more. bad. Yeah, it was bright. It was bad. That's shame. <laughs> That is shame. Oh, man. All right. Uh, we'll take a break here. We'll get Gandolfo in. Um, reminder, some uh, some programming around here. High school hour today, 6 o'clock here on ESPN 680-1057. We'll have to check in with the girls. JCPS out today. So maybe they didn't tra- make the trip down to manual, so maybe they won't be able to make it in uh, today. So someone should probably check on that. Uh, just an FYI. Louisville basketball, of course, in Chapel Hill. We'll start at 730 with that Alex White Network pregame show. We'll have the postgame show for you as well with Ethan Moore that's presented by our friends at Coors Light. Tip is at uh, 9 on that one, so we'll hear from Ethan sometime around 1130. Of course, Kentucky Fish and Wildlife postgame show. Zach, you staying up for that one? I believe so. little BBZ, how about that? Uh, 9 o'clock here, sometime after that 7 o'clock tip here on ESPN 680-1057. Another great day. I get UK at 7, get U of L at 9. Don't have to over-program, do any of those kinds of things. I don't have a podcast to record tonight. How about that? Um, It's all good to go. Uh, we'll talk about matzo pie in a minute. Thank them for bringing lunch by the show. But again, hey, if you haven't uh, signed up yet for that Kentucky Fish and Wildlife uh, at their website for that elk draw for 2024, make sure you go check that out again tonight. Gandolfo Entz, and you get some Zachy C as well on the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife postgame show as well. On the other end, we'll talk to Mike Gandolfo. Get your uh, hate text ready. We do it next here at ESPN 680-1057. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Listening to Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now, here's Louis Rabo. Alright, welcome back in. Rabo and Co. here on a Wednesday Hump Day edition here. We'll take you up till noon. Bobby V after us, round table three o'clock. Uh he's doing Weird Wednesday right at three o'clock today. So be ready right at three o'clock uh, to be uncomfortable. 
Uh, he's having a guest on. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Will James Strebel. Uh Second time guest. How about that? James Strebel, uh booking the uh, sci-fi guys. He'll be talking that Miami case. He'll have uh, Anna Torillo alongside high school hour at 6 if the girls are able to get out of their houses here uh, presented by the Cutter Group. We'll also have Arizona and USC tonight at 10 o'clock on 680-1057. Speaking of uh, USC, we invite in uh, Mike Andolfo. Not really speaking of USC, but we invite him in. Uh, he drove by USC in November. How about that? Mike, how are you? I did. We drove uh, right by the <laughs> – we actually – was that the weekend that USC was playing Washington and like, yes. we were like, hey, do we – We should we go to that game, right? And then they scored a billion game. points and we didn't go. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I would have been up for it. I, I mean, we were exhausted. We were tired. But, I mean, how often do you get to go to the LA Coliseum and see, they, see that kind of quality of game, right? You know? So I think we looked it up and it up. was it was like ninety bucks a ticket or something. Like it was it not was cheap, man. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I, it definitely would have been something we we would just have a one time though. Yep. Right. And we just said, you know, hey, Isle, will you pay for this for us? And you know, and he would have said, bleep off. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Definitely. I don't. Do I know you guys? I don't know you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the credential, whoever you are. Um, I'll see you later is essentially my relationship with Dana Salipo at the track at least. Uh, Mike Gandolfo with us. Epic Mike Gandolfo on Twitter. Of course, part of our uh, coverage on the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife postgame shows here at ESPN 680-1057. Uh, loss over the weekend at Texas A&M. Um, Zach and I have talked about it a bit and your reaction uh, on the postgame show as well. Uh, now that you've had a couple days to process, what is, what's Mike's sort of takeaway from Texas A&M? And, uh, was that a a confirmation game for you or a, a growing game? What, what did Mike see on Saturday? Um, well, I mean, I think that's kind of how we let our show off of Saturday was talking. It was more Ince. You know, you don't get many times when Ince says that you're right. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to just soak it all up. Uh, but, you know, the conversation before that was that eventually the defense is going to yes. not be able to, um, or the, you know, someone's going to score more and you're just, you're just stuck. And Kentucky still scores in the 90s. And loses to a terrible offensive team, you know, a team that basically, for lack of a better term, because I don't want to offend you, Louie, is playing ice hockey where they're just throwing it up to the net and hoping they can go get it and put it in. Sure, um, they, you know, you're not you're not playing a good offensive team, and they 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 are able to pace with you. And this is this is the recipe of like if Kentucky wants to. Achieve, you know, again, I go back. What is the goal of the season? If the goal of the season is the Final Four, uh, you can't – you've got to fix what has been going on the last couple of games defensively. And quite honestly, if they do figure it out, they figure out how to correct things on the defensive end and you really just some fine-tuning on the on the rebound end. Like, it's, it's so much of its positioning that – they're going to be able to just trigger their transition game even more, and they'll score more in transition. You know, so um, and that's actually when I coach. That's the way that I like to coach and like to play. You know, have your defense create your offense, right. get out, win games in transition, and um, you know it could be it can be a whole lot of fun. And we've seen them do that at times this year. We just got to uh, make sure that they understand that you know. Small little tweaks, small little positioning. There, there's too much reaction, not enough mm. just like natural, instinctive defensive play that could go a long way. And um, you know, I think the season, the ceiling is still pretty high. I think they can. I do think they can figure it out. I don't think it's it's okay. one of those okay. things where you just got to say, "Hey, I want to play defense. Let's let's go play defense." Yeah, know? I was just going to ask you that, and and Mike Gandolfo with us. How much to you is just a a mental adjustment for guys rather than some sort of grand change of defensive scheme or those sorts of things 
And honestly, like, you know, and, and people don't fully, I think, comprehend this all the time. Like, this is not high school basketball anymore, okay? And the way you defend in college is different than the way you defend in high school. And I'll never forget it. When I was coaching at uh, Spalding, um, the women at Spalding, and my daughter was a pretty good player. You can attest to that, Louie. Sure. And uh, especially before her first concussion. And she would go as an eighth grader and, and do open gyms with them. And, you know, they – at one time I was so happy because the girls actually stopped her and said, hey, in high school and in grade school, this is how you can handle screens. Mm. But in college, if you handle screens this way, you're going to get burned every time. Mm. And, and it's, it's, it's those little things like that, just realizing that you're not dealing with a guy who at his, on his best day is a team's best shooter who's shooting 32% from the arc. You're dealing with guys who, if they're left open, they're going to hit a wide-open jump shot almost every time. And so I'm, I'm kind of sick and tired of hearing, oh, everyone shoots the three-wall against Kentucky. Yeah, because your perimeter defense sucks. You know, I mean, let's, let's, let's call it what it is. You give too much space. In high school, it's not too much space, but in college, it's too much space. And sometimes that's a matter of like three or four inches. That's what she said. Mike Gandolfo with us, a little three-inch talk on a Wednesday. Um, The... So I, it's interesting you're you're talking about it this way, and Zach can attest to this. I talked about Reed Shepard being a very good perimeter defender as far as being a disruptor, right? But it's obvious that on the low block, he just doesn't have a ton of experience. Is that kind of an example of what you're talking about? It can be, but I mean, now I think there's some low block, block things you can talk about with the bigger guys. But at yes. some point, like your size is just kind of, you know, you're you're just going to be too little to defend where you are. But as a guard, you got to figure out. Okay, so what's my advantage if I'm if someone takes me down low? What's my advantage, you know? And what can I exploit? You know, a lot of times, sure. especially on the defensive side on, on the post, it's it's as simple as taking away a dominant shoulder. And this is something that teams figured out against Oscar Sheboy. They took away his dominant shoulder, and if you remember, like he would, and for most right-handed players, your dominant shoulders lead with the left shoulder so that you can finish right-handed, right? So, in in this case. You know, teams last year would would just pin on Oscar's left shoulder. They would leave his right shoulder wide open. He would refuse to ever make a right shoulder move. Mm. You know, and and so that's where the positioning stuff comes in. And then just the rotation, the defensive rotation stuff that they they continually get burned on. They allow too many straight line drives to the basket because of it, and that's those things have got to improve. I remember Julius Randall uh, in the. Uh, in his very first major game with Kentucky was actually against Michigan State in the um, in the Champions Classic, and he only wanted to go one way, and, and Michigan State was just waiting for him. But and obviously by the midseason, he had made those adjustments and learned how to you know make moves in both directions. But yeah, no, I, it's it's one of those things where if guys don't learn and, and make those adjustments, um, you know, it can make for a long season. Are you hopeful that they'll get better on defense? I mean, I'm hopeful, but I mean, some of this is this team and some of this is systemic Cal stuff that we've seen the entire time, right? So, like, you know, Cal doesn't seem to really care about how they handle screens off the ball. Mm. So, um, you know, if that's not a point of emphasis, is it going to get better? Probably not, you know? So, uh, I, you know, I, I do think that it, there, it, it is minor choice and, you know, whether it's a difference in coaching philosophy, mm. that's the question, right? So, like, if his coaching philosophy says, you know, like, you know, Bennett at UVA wants to play your pack line defense, and 
they know exactly what they're going to take away and what they're going to give you every single time. I don't think that Cal's defense ever comes into a game saying, we're taking this away mm. and we're happy giving this up. Mike Gandolfo with us at Big Mike Gandolfo on Twitter. He's a part of our coverage on the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife postgame shows. You can hear him tonight. After the Mississippi State game, do you think, Mike, the the improvement in quality in the SEC on the basketball side, especially on the men's side, um, the last decade is the prevailing story around this area? Uh, a prevailing story? I don't yeah, know I think for Kentucky basketball, here. it's the biggest change is that their in-conference season is completely different. Yeah, than I mean, it's not the U.K. Invitational anymore, right? right. I mean, yep. that's, that's that's what right. we're really talking about. I mean, and I can't remember who was with you or who I was. You know, they were, the conversation was talking about, like, when Kentucky – when the SEC was negotiating basically their television deals and whatever else, like, they made a conscious effort that this money was going to help sports other than football. And you've seen it. Like, it's not just – we're not just talking about men's basketball here. We're talking about women's basketball. We're talking about baseball. We're talking about, you know, the SEC is pretty dominant in a lot of different sports. And um, not not ice hockey, though, Louie. Sorry. Um, or men's soccer. Because they don't have men's soccer or ice hockey. They do not have men's soccer. That's right. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, like, the, the conscious decision by these presidents when they were negotiating these large contracts – to make sure that their sports were solid across the board, uh, I think is very commendable, you know? So uh, it could have been real easy to say, hey, football's our cash cow. We're just going to make our own little mini NFL, which they're kind of doing anyway. Sure, right. And, and, uh, and we'll just dominate and just own that market. Um, and they've been able to kind of get both and, you know? It's pretty, pretty crazy. Kentucky the plays coaching's up everything. Yeah, no, the, I was just going to say Kentucky plays one of these programs. That's Mississippi State. Chris Jans is doing a good job there. It's just obvious, uh, and it's just true that he's doing a good job there. What do you anticipate tonight? Um, you know, I, I I go back and like, did we we didn't have like a great bounce back game against Penn after they lost in Wilmington. Hmm. Um, I I don't know if we're going to see now this the loss of. Texas A&M is not the loss of Wilmington. I don't want to say that and, or equate them. I mean, Kentucky wasn't favored in this in the ball game, right? So, um, I do think that, and again, not to sound like a broken record, I want to see this is more process for me of just seeing do they start to understand the conference play is different? You're scouted. You're going to be scouted differently, and in order to perform at the level they want to perform that details matter. And so uh, I'm going to be watching more for their, atten- their attention to detail and making sure that they're able to execute. And, um, and you know, I would love to see – I'm not as I'm not as worried as people are about the rebounding aspect of it, although if you're going to okay. play great defense, Got you want to finish it off by getting the rebound. But, you know, are they going to start to – do some of those tweaks, like you know, when I when I was coaching, especially younger kids, it's like, and they keep on getting beat with the same thing over and over again. I equated it to be like, are you gonna just let someone just stand there and hit you with the same stick in the same way over and over and over again? Or are you eventually going to figure out how to avoid the stick or take away the stick? You know, and so that's the kind of stuff that I just want to start to see from their growth standpoint. I, I imagine Kentucky covers. Okay. Um, I don't think, think this Mississippi State team is. I think they're good. I don't think they're, you know, by any chance, a team that Kentucky should worry about losing to tonight. If a loss, if a loss happens tonight, there's some, there's some reason I think to be somewhat concerned. Of like, are we in this little, like little mid mid uh, January lull or whatever else? And 
um, because you don't want to be losing games right now knowing how the back half of this SEC plays out. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tennessee twice you get um, – you have to go to Arkansas. Obviously, you're traveling to Mississippi State at some point. You will play Bama. Uh, at Auburn is on the schedule. Gonzaga sca- just sort of sandwiched in the middle of all of it. Arkansas, I think, in there. Yeah, yeah, trip to Arkansas as well. So, yeah, no, it's it's yeah. Uh, it, it picks up after Mississippi State and Georgia at home uh, this week for sure. Mike Andolfo with us. Um I- with this team and and with where do I want to go with this question? Any concern, you know, because we're talking about on defense, you know, with you know the help defense at the low block and those kinds of things, and you know Bradshaw the other day essentially has a foul a minute for the time that he's on the court at Texas A and M. Any concern that that kind of issue is going to pop up more and more in conference play? Well, this has a lot to do with footwork, right? I mean, I think that's always where you know. So what what you want, I think, your big person. Um, to understand it's foul efficiency. And um, I'm a big believer that you have five fouls, that you should use a couple of them. And um, especially if you're trying to make it less um, advantageous for someone to drive to the basket or, or whatever else, if you want to take away something, just let them know you're aware of it and they go that way, it could hurt. Um, not playing dirty, just, you know, maybe a little more Lambeerish, but not quite dirty. <laughs> um <laughs> But, you know, this whole freedom of movement thing to me is kind of a joke. You know, just use a couple fouls to stop the freedom of movement. They'll, they'll think twice. And so the, um, at, the, at the same time, the, uh, you know, you've got to take away some of the dumb fouls, right? So, like, if you know you want to purposefully use two fouls, we're probably going to just happen to pick up another one or two. You can't pick up the, the, the foul because you're trying to block a shot that you're out of position for or that you're – you know, anytime your feet are in the right position, your hands can get away with a lot. And that's the one thing. And, and, and referees are making calls off perception, right? They're not, yep. they don't always see the contact. They're like, oh, his feet are there and he pulled off that play. He had to foul the guy. We, we know that's true. Whether, you know, this, this whole idea is like, oh, officials are out to get us. They're just human and they're just doing, they're basing it off of, that's you know, right. their data points. And uh, so when your feet are in the right spot, your hands can get away with a lot. And that's to me the just the bigger concern again is just the positioning and the footwork and um if he can figure that out and, and become a bigger shot blocker the way Ugo did, because man, that's that's what Kentucky needed in, in the paint, right? They needed that person who's gonna get stronger. He's gotten so much stronger and just taking up so much more space. We actually gave him the player of the game after the Texas A and M game just because even though he didn't score a ton, I mean he was actually a force. Mike Gandalfo with us in that game. You had major minutes from Mitchell, Edwards, Wagner, Reeves, Onyenso, Shepard, and Dillingham. Uh, Bradshaw obviously was more foul trouble than anything else. Is that the group of eight that you think will carry forward, or is Thierro going to have to get time with No, they got to play. They, this team needs Thierro. I mean, they need his energy. They The, the defense is going to get better. I think it's going to be because Thierro's going to demand it. So, um, Thierro's going to play. And... Um, I don't know if we'll go back to the starting lineup. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Uh, I do think Thierry also adds some versatility to your lineup. Like he can play multiple positions if you need him to, even, even though he might not play any of them at like an all-American level. He can give you something. So um, Thierry, I think Thierry's going to play. And I, I just, you know, we're talking about a back issue now. It seems like that it's become very clear. And I'm, we're, you know, you never know if a, if a back issue is going to get better or not. So. Um, He's still not practicing, so uh, 
You know? oh, no, I get it. We'll ask Ben about and it tomorrow. It, yeah, it's, it's rough because it's I, they, they need his energy. Gandolfo with us. Uh, all right, so last one. I'll let you get out of here on this. Uh, there are if now you don't art- ask me any, like, that Stoops is now the longest tenured coach in SEC and <laughs> so what's going to happen yeah. with Liam Cohen. I mean, yeah. No, go ahead. Do you want to do football? No, okay. <laughs> I just feel like if people want angry football talk, there's other outlets for that. Like I just, <laughs> I'm just yeah, not and I won't necessarily be angry football talk. So yeah, yeah. The second half of January, I'm, I'm okay. Right, we're getting that excited about Liam Cohen. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, there's a reason he was I'm available not an Eagle for. Fan. Yeah, it, well, it, it, there's a reason he's available for Kentucky football. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, Seeding talk. Dan and I fought this battle against one another a lot last year, and then, of course, the Final Four ends up with the second-highest total seed number of all time. Um, do you care about seeding? And if so, uh, what seed should Kentucky be shooting for uh, by the time they get uh, to March? Well, they want to be a top-four seed, right? That's what they want to be. And I think they want to be a two or a three. I don't, I don't think they're a one. I don't think I they're going to be a one. Uh, I think the one's pretty out of reach given especially the fact that the computers don't seem to like Kentucky, mm. right? If the net rating matters that much, now they're going to have a lot of opportunities to improve that, obviously with a lot of quad one opportunities. But um, I think a two two seed might be their ceiling, and they kind of backdoor that, and I think they're likely a three. And I think if they're a four seed, I think it's a disappointment. So um, I agree with that. That's kind of where I am on the seed side. And, you know, I do think, you know, there are – ones that you know obviously the ones will be the ones for a reason they're, and they're going to be tougher to beat than the twos and um so from that standpoint like you know i'd rather be a three matchup against a two than a four matchup against a one right so yeah no question and actually uh, right now i just want to get to the second weekend that would be really nice <laughs> it would be fun wouldn't it uh the uh the opportunities I when I was younger. will definitely be there. Alabama four in the net, Tennessee six, Auburn eight. Uh, so Kentucky will have plenty of opportunities to get those uh, high quad one wins. Uh, last one for you. I get texts from you during U of L games, uh, so you are obviously still watching U of L. Talk about the job that you've seen from uh, <laughs> from Kenny Payne the last I mean, two games. I definitely think you should get contract extension. I don't know what everybody's talking about. So, I mean, you got to give him, what, seven, eight years and just keep on going with it, you know? So He's Mike Gandolfo. No, I, mean, the- <laughs> I, I, I think it's interesting, though. I mean, uh, and again, I don't know if it's because they've kind of had a short in their roster or what it is, but there's no question that you're seeing things that are better. They're not things – I don't think you're seeing things that are acceptable. I mean, outside of the Miami game, which is right. incredible, right? I mean, that's that's a team that was in the Final Four last year, and they haven't really lost it. <laughs> like, what, 68 straight home wins or something ridiculous? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. That was insane. Yeah. I mean, if you can hang with Miami, you can pretty much hang with yep. 95% of college basketball yep. on the road. So, um, you know, uh, but – what what do you have to have? You have to have consistency. And if you're not going to have be consistent with the fans aren't just going to put up with, um, you know, what could be, um, they want they want to see it done on a consistent basis. All right. Well, we'll extend him by at least one more week. His name is Mike Gandolfo. You can find him on the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife postgame shows. We will talk to you next week, Wednesday. Mike, have a great rest of the week, buddy. All right, man. See you. Appreciate you. All right. There you go. Catch him tonight. I uh, was Zach. You see Jason Entz tonight after that Mississippi State game. We will have you covered on 680-1057 with that postgame show. Around 9-9-15, something like that. No waiting for any of the official postgame stuff on the U.K. side. 
Whistle blows for the end of that game. Tune in, 680-1057. Get your text in, your calls in uh, for that. We'll have the Cal sound as well uh, for you tonight. On the other end, uh, I did not get to ask Mike about uh, Nate Oates and shoving a player. Oh, oh man. All right, I want to talk about it next because I'm, I'm fascinated by the story and what the reaction has been, which to me is almost nothing. Kind of stunning, frankly. We'll talk about it next here. ESPN 680-1057. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Listening to Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now, here's Louis Rabo. All right, welcome back in. Louisville basketball on the road tonight. Flagship station across the hall on 93.9 for that coverage. Starting at 7.30, the Alex White Network coverage. They'll have the tip at 9. Postgame show, Coors Light postgame show, Ethan Moore after the game. Kentucky Fish and Wildlife postgame show will be at the start of that game around 9 o'clock uh, here on ESPN 680-1057. Sign up for the Elk Draw on their website. The 2024 Elk Draw is available on their website. All right, so uh, Nate Oates and... Pushing is the word that is used on the ESPN.com website. Zach, what verb would you use for what Nate Oates did last night with, uh, let me get the, uh, Aiden Shaw, who's a forward from Mizzou. I think pushing's about right. Is pushing the right word? Escorting out of the way. (sighs) I would use the term put his hands on. Yeah. Because I'm not sure that he shoves him, and I appreciate people. I haven't seen the term shove, because it's not a shove. A shove is... Do you have to use both hands to shove? You don't have to. Okay, you can use shove with one hand? Right, okay, right. you can. It's more of a, a hey, stiff arm, hey, get out of our... Get out of the huddle. Huddle yeah. kind of push. I mean, what do you expect to happen when you enter the opposing team's huddle? I think you expect not to be pushed by the coach. That's also true. And and so that's the line here, right? We're in this weird dancing area here with Nate Oates and, and Aiden Shaw that Aiden Shaw shouldn't be in there talking bleep. Obviously... Oates has a little bit of that dog in him. <laughs> and and he, it's interesting when you have, you know, okay, so the total sidebar here, Zach. I think one of the most ridiculous things in sports is that the major league baseball managers wear the same outfit as the players. Yeah. That, like, that's completely ridiculous. Now, it usually those managers don't act like players, right? They, they act like managers. Oates is acting like a player here, mm-hmm. right? And now he, he realizes what he's done and he points to the huddle like hey buddy go back there you could tell he does the push and he goes oh bleep and he points and he says all right go, go over there yeah i think you suspend him a game i think he's just gonna get fined here's why i think you suspend him a game because it's a game and i think you just need to send the message now don't, don't put your hands on 
on players. Just don't do it. Yeah. I, I think it's that simple. I don't think we need to blow it up. I don't think it needs to be like, hey, it's five games. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying next game you don't get to coach. And by the way, I call the athletic director at Alabama and I say, look, this is what we're doing. It's a game. He's out. I want you to give the 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 check for the game to some kind of nonprofit organization. Figure that out. I don't and frankly, I, I wouldn't let Aiden Shaw pick because he's the one walking into a, another team's huddle. Yeah. Um I don't think that kid, by the way, is at zero fault here. Um Dennis but, Gates, let him pick. <laughs> let Dennis Gates pick, sure. Dennis Gates asks an important question, though, and he's right, which is what happens when a player pushes another player? Yeah. Technical foul. Automatic. Yeah. Why was there no tech called here? Is an important distinction and an important question, and I think you double tech that one. You get Aiden Shaw walking in, you get coach shoving him out. So I, I think you do both in the moment. I think they did neither in the moment, which is the other acceptable thing to do. But I think you have to do both. But I think you take the next step and you suspend Nate Oates for a game. Putting aside what you think is going to happen, do you agree with my assessment that he should be suspended? Yeah, because you're supposed to hold coaches and people to a a higher standard standard. than you are players. Like, Look, players get caught up in the moment. I know coaches get caught up in the moment, but coaches are being paid to control their emotions much more than players are. So, No, I I think there probably should have been technical fouls on both, but Nate Oates gets the suspension and Dayton Shaw just goes on. Uh, texter asking if if there's a difference in shoving your own player or shoving another team's player. The obvious answer to that is yes. Yeah, big time. And uh, I think there are many times when you're coaching that, you know, if a kid, you know, especially basketball, if a kid's getting pushed around on defense, for example, and you, and you walk up to him and you're like, hey, you can withstand that. You're going to be fine, you know, kind of thing. I think there's a place for that. But the the other team is where I'm putting the – <laughs> the the imaginary line here is yeah. you don't do that no and and I understand this isn't egregious he didn't hit him in the face he didn't kick him or so he didn't spit on him and call him some kind of term that you're not supposed to use none of those things happen and frankly if you see the video you're like yeah don't do that man but that's kind a, of my reaction is there a spotlight on him because of what happened last year with Brandon Miller so that's the other is. part of this is has Nate Oates now gotten to a point where for example, there might be a certain ACC team that has a job opening next year. Have Notre there Dame? been enough Nate Oates moments that are disqualifying that no. he's going to be the Alabama coach for a while? I don't think so. Isn't I think that Nate Oates is a big-time coach. I think he could come up here and have success immediately. Look, when you're where Louisville's been the last two years, you don't really get to play the morality card. You just play the we-need-to-win-games card. And Nate Oates can certainly do that. Texture asking if all the Bobby Knight fans have become Nate Oates fans. That's a good text. The, um, <laughs> here's, here's the thing about it that stands out. And I was thinking about this last night when this started to hit Twitter feeds and all that stuff. Is it's the opposite of everything around here. How Nate Oates acted in that huddle and the intensity of that huddle is the opposite of everything around here. Absolutely. It does not exist around here in that way. And it was stunning to watch it. I think I think U of L fans would eat that up. Yes, they would eat it up. Get out of our huddle. Get away from my coach. I think you would totally hear all that talk. After I think they what, would totally eat it up. After what's happened the last two years, where it's just non like 
They don't care. We played a press conference the other yeah. day. He's laughing about bleep talk. Yeah, he's laughing about somebody he's bleep talking. He's laughing about it. Yeah. Bo's it just yucking it up. Yeah, can you imagine that's Nato the, that's doing that? That's the attitude right now. No. Nato's just like, I'm shoving dudes out of my huddle. Yeah, you're not going to bleep talk me. Get out of here. And I think it's worth, by the way, as a coach, I think it's worth the game suspension. Yeah. I think it's totally worth it. I agree with that. I think that. it's totally worth it. Depends on what their game is, but yeah. In January? Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah, I think so. I thought Dennis Gates handled it about as well as you're going to handle it. Yeah. He he essentially said, um, let me find his, Nate apologized after the game, but I just posed the question, if that was a was players in a huddle with a hand on an opponent, what would take place? It'd be an automatic tech. I thought the two refs, I saw, I thought I saw two refs in that huddle. It wasn't a tech. That's the question I would pose. If it was players making hand contact, what would take place? I think that's the proper response. That's it. 100% the proper response is, why is your standard different than the players? And I think he's totally right, number one. And number two, I think that's why you elevate it. At, you escalate it at this point, elevate, escalate at this point to a suspension. Shouldn't a coach's standard to. be higher than a player's no standard? No question about Because they're it. grown men. Yes, no question about it. In, in society, we do this all over the place. We expect, for example, teachers to act differently than students. Mm-hmm. To give a rudimentary example, we expect a high school student to not be as mature as his teacher. Correct. That's just how the culture works. In this case, I think that's what's going to happen. That's what I would do with Nate Oates. I would call the athletic director and say, look, you can do it or I can do it. If I'm Stanky, by the way. Or as this show is called, Stanky. Um, <laughs> right. Do we have the, the Stanky montage? I don't think so. Let's find the Stanky montage and we'll play that before we go to break. That's good radio. But I think we also don't need to overdo this. I think the one-game suspension allows you to say, hey, we're not doing this, and anything worse than this is getting hammered. I think that's a totally reasonable thing. Texture, try pushing a ref. No, that's also a good point. That If he literally one person over instead of pushing Aiden Shaw, if he pushes Aiden Johnson, the referee, it's a different thing. For sure, he's out of the game. So, yeah, I, th- I think he, I think you got to suspend him for a game. And I, but I don't think it needs to go further than that. I think we can have nuance here. I think we can be reasonable about it. No Stanky? We have Stanky Leg, but no, nothing about Greg Stank. <laughs> Who says Stanky? Stanky Leg, is that Mike Pratt? Yeah. Play it. Uh, I need to hear Mike Pratt on, it's on a Wednesday. <laughs> stanky Leg. <laughs> this has potential to be great sound. My God. Uh, but yeah, again, you know, it's pretty simple. And it just reminded me that we just don't have that here. We just don't, man. And I, I think it would be so freaking popular with fans here. I think that kind of attitude for sure. You got it? No? Okay, not working. All right. Oh, man. No, nah, it's not Pratt, unfortunately. Right. Oh, okay, okay. Is it? Oh, man. It's just it? the song itself. Oh, okay. <laughs> what a terrible dismount that is. I'm so sorry, Zach. <laughs> we couldn't figure out for a long time if Issel knew his name and was doing the Issel thing and giving him a nickname or if he just didn't know his name. They could not figure it out which one it was. And so we just ran with it. Yeah. yeah just kinda, I just called him Stanky. Got to do what you got to do. You think he knows that it's Stanky? Yeah. <laughs> now he does. Yeah. Um, we'll do bologna or salami next, obviously. At 11.20, I want to start doing this as a segment. I, I, it's one that when I was prepping this morning, I, I started to think about, and it's something I want to start doing, Zach. You know me now that we've been hanging out for, whoo. Seven weeks, something like that? Roughly. Um, I love trends. I, I am absolutely obsessed with trends. That's why I love horse racing. I think that you know it's it's one of the sports where you analyze trends the most. 
But I think college basketball falls into that really, really well. Yeah. I have a, a spot on the show sheet, I'm sure you saw it today, where I had in the same in the same group the best NFL rookie classes and Killian Mbappe talking about load management in soccer. And I know that they don't seem related, but I want to talk about how I think they're related. And so I want a trends segment. I don't know what it's called. 437-9680. Louis on trends. What is that segment called? Uh, and who is, by the way, going to pay for it? <laughs> Talking radio people. Uh, we'll also get into the coaching carousel uh, and all the things, the fallout from the major openings in college football, uh, especially if that Michigan job comes open uh, as well. Glad we got to talk about Nate Oates, though, because I do think um, I, I think there's such a such a line that we just don't want to cross. And I want to be clear: Nate Oates crossed it, but like for by by like a foot. He didn't go a mile over the line. That's not what happened last night. I want to be very clear. But you have to suspend him for going a foot over the line. That's my opinion. Right. I, I, th- I think you just have to. Uh, Texter, do you remember Izzo shoving his own player in a huddle? Which time? Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, the, the video last night from the NC State game, where NC State does win uh, the game, and you get uh, you get the player at the line doing the double bird to the, the, oh, yeah. the back of the official. That's right. That's Fantastic stuff. Yeah, and I had like so six glad. technical fouls called yeah. on one sequence. A important turnaround question. What if that? What if uh, Aiden Shaw had had pushed the coach? Oh, he'd be suspended. He'd be suspended. No Multiple doubt. games. Yes, and we'd be talking what six games for that? Oh yeah, yeah. You a, go to the other huddle and shove the coach. Yeah, it'd be five or six games. Yeah, you you got to suspend those. You just got to. Why? Do, why are the standards higher for players than they are for coaches? I don't understand that. <sighs> it's a good question. I don't know. In the same way that I don't understand why the standard for replay is different for officials than it is for players. I've always wondered that. The standard's always higher for officials than everybody else, and officials usually mess up more than the players. The human just... error thing is not allowed for... You can make mistakes as a human player, but you cannot make them as a human official. Yeah. Now, part of that, I want to be very clear, is you're trying to mitigate cheating, right? And if your officials come across as cheating, you got a big-time problem. Louis bends to the trends. <laughs> That's a pretty good name for that segment. But you can't, you know, you can't have the uh, oh, who was Donahue? Was that his name in the NBA? Tim Donahue. You can't yeah. have that. You can't have it, right? And it's so easy now, especially in the gambling culture, for those point spreads and the over unders and everything else. And so it just it's its own thing. Um, this is Jerome Tang. Man, Jerome takes three and zero against Scott Drew. Is that true? That is. Yeah, they won God. last night too. How about that? Boy, I'll tell you what, man. That media group in Manhattan got impatient with him early in the season. And then he quoted scripture, and I, I kind of checked out. I'm not going to lie. Because <laughs> when coaches do that, I don't think you're really saying anything. But he's got him going again. That guy can coach, man. Sure that guy can, can coach. Yeah, I don't think he's a one-year wonder. I think we're finding out. Uh, all right, so bologna or salami next. We'll get into uh, Louis trends talk at eleven twenty. We'll do some more uh, NFL talk uh, at eleven forty today as well. Setting up the rest of the week. Ben Roberts ten twenty tomorrow. Uh, reaction to the Mississippi State game tonight, and then we'll have Jay Davis in his usual spot at eleven tomorrow. We have not done a good job talking NBA with him, and we had a fantastic matchup last night between Jokic and Embiid, and I want to talk about that with him because we really. It's a fascinating thing we do in sports, and everybody does it. So I'm not picking on anyone in particular, I promise. But I remember, for example, when Russ Smith 
had retired, and it was a couple of years removed. The talk of putting his number up in the rafters. Yeah. I know I brought it up on the show before. And from the outside, I was like, that's the most obvious thing ever put his number up there. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best players in the history of the program, won a title. Like, that's who you put in the rafters. And I remember people being like, yeah, but he's not, he's not Wes. And he's not, he's not Dr. Duncan. He's not. And I'm like, yes, he is. That's the point. Yes, he is. And so when Jokic goes up against Embiid, that's an all-time matchup. Yes. It just happens to be happening right now. We're not looking at numbers hanging from a ceiling. It's happening right now. Those are all-time matchups. The, 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 the video highlights coming out of that game, people are going to watch 40 years from now. Because those two guys, I mean, Jokic's name is forever in basketball now. Yes. It just is. It's forever. We always romanticize the past and we don't appreciate the present. A hundred percent. And by the way, humans do this all the time. They do it all the time with everything they, about their marriages, about their sports teams, about their jobs. They, we do it about everything. That's right. But man, last night was fun. It was fun. I cannot wait to talk about it with Jay tomorrow. We'll have our guy Kevin Kilroy on Friday as well. Get you ready for the LeCompte as the Derby Trail uh, gets into 20 point races, man. And uh, we start to talk about that as well. Alongside Zach Cantrell, my name's Louis Rabot. This has been the first hour. We'll do another hour here on Rabot & Co. on ESPN 680-1057. want to give a thanks to our friends at Matzo Pie for bringing lunch by the ESPN Louisville Studios. Pizza, focaccia bread, salads, cookies. They've got it all. Head out to their Anchorage location. It's truly, truly unbelievable dining experience out there. Very unique. And also, you can visit them in the Douglas Loop at Butchertown locations as well. They'll have those 1020 crap brews for you at every location there. That brick oven pizza, you can't beat it. Check them out. Mozzapai, M-O-Z-Z-P-I.com. Blow to your salami. We do it next here. ESPN 680, 105.7.